This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Lorraine Peck, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. It's very nice to be here. Now, Lorraine, well, used to be a magician's assistant (laughs) to a crime novelist. Now, you know, I mean, all our listeners know this. I think I've interviewed over 400 authors. Never once has one been a magician or a magician's assistant. Just so you know, magician's assistant to crime novelist. It's all about mastering the art of story for Lorraine Peck, whose love of crime fiction propelled her to write the kind of book she loves to read. The Second Son, Lorraine's debut novel, won the 21 Ned Kelly for Best Debut Crime Fiction from the Australian Crime Writers Association. It was shortlisted for two David Awards by Sisters in Crime and for a Danger Award by Bad Crime Sydney. Wow. Her latest novel, The Double Bind, is the enthralling sequel to the second son, featuring a character-driven plot, psychological finesse, and enough twists and turns to give you whiplash. <laughs> That's nice. Did you write that? Oh, well, I may have helped a little. You may have helped a little bit. Seriously, magician's assistant. Can we go there first? Yeah, sure. Being a magician's assistant was my first job. I was still at school. My father found the ad in the paper, small, flexible person needed for magician's assistant work. And I got the job because I am small and flexible. Were and you like into <laughs> gymnastics and acrobatics? I was a ballet dancer. Oh, wow. Yes. You do have that physique. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the magician and I um, did a lot of uh, acts with me in a tutu and up on point. So he, <laughs> he dressed as the sad clown, etc. and he would make me disappear. And I can levitate. I can have 40 knives pass through me. I can have my head cut off um, and I can disappear. Did you enjoy it? Oh, was it was so fun? much fun. I did yeah. it for three years. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Okay, and what did you do then? Did you become a magician or uh, no <laughs> um no it's all about distraction right. that, was what, that was my job which I think is you know what you do as a storyteller as a novelist as well in between I did all sorts of things in hospitality and in sales and marketing I traveled the world uh ended up being the marketing director for Savills which is a global real estate company um oh, doing wow. all sorts of fun things with them around the world because I was their go-to retail person. So when they had to launch a big shopping centre, I would go and make that happen in Dubai or in Seoul or in Singapore, etc. Love the idea of, you know, I mean, for those that know me, I do a lot of travelling and I love that. And to incorporate work into it would be such a bonus. Yeah, it was so much fun. Do you think that, did you know then that you were going to be a writer? I've always wanted to write a book. It's the the one thing I've always put on my 
vision board or vision statement and I make those sorts of things regularly yeah. <laughs> for myself. Um, I usually put them to music and play them to myself like an advertisement. Right, okay. <laughs> it kind of sinks in and Hang I manifest it. <laughs> All right, because, you know, in, in our team here, I'm not the woo-woo, that's yes. Jane. Yeah. She would love that. You might want to tell her that. Okay. But before that, can you explain it to me again? Can I explain how I became a novelist no. or why I became a novelist? Oh, no, 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 no. We're going back to the vision board. Oh, the vision board. Okay. Because I know, I understand being a novelist mm-hmm. and I understand the path to being a novelist, but oh. I'm not understanding the vision board. Okay. So what you do is you create a PowerPoint, let's say, yeah. uh, with um, a bunch of different images of what you want in your life and some affirmations. For instance, when I was looking for my husband, I'd split up with my ex-husband and I really wanted an, a new man in my life. So it was about finding a rock because I wanted a rock. I wanted to be the water flowing around the rock. So I had a picture of a rock, I had a picture of a guy looking out at his boat because I wanted a guy with a boat. Uh, I had a picture <laughs> of a sailing boat going past Courtula because I wanted to sail around the world. And, uh, and, and then I found Stead, who is like All those steady as a rock, and the next year we were sailing past that very island. Oh, wow. Together. How extraordinary. I know, but I set it to music, um, All You Need Is Love, and I had things in it like, There is room in my bed for my soulmate. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Lorraine, how did you find Stead? How did you meet? Um, I met him on a dating app. Yeah. Yes. And, and well, that's, I mean, that's the new world. Absolutely. Everybody does that. Yeah, it's not unusual, yeah. is yeah. it? I, my headline was, I just like messing about on boats, which is a quote from Wind in the Willows. Right. But I also wanted a man with a boat. Okay. And a man that knew a little bit about literature. <laughs> yes. He's dyslexic, so that part of the plan failed. Right. But he loves listening to my books on audio. Oh, isn't that fantastic? Do you know we also know a lot of dyslexic writers? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. A lot of authors are dyslexic. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. We could even give you a list. And so many of them have turned that, well, it's not a disability, is it? I don't know what you call it, into, <laughs> yes. you know, writing yeah. a story and writing a book. Yeah, so wow. it doesn't I'm seem Yeah, you do tell him that. Because he's had such a life. Mm. Yeah, no, seriously. um, Mm. I can't remember one offhand now, but many, I've spoken to many authors who've told me that they were dyslexic. So you're travelling the world with Stead. And at what point, I mean, I know that a lot of people dream about writing or want to write, but they actually never do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I gather you're a doer. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Did you then do that with your board? What was it called? My, the, my vision board, my yes. vision statement. Did now, you have a novel up there? And... Uh, there was always a book, a picture of a book that I write a book. Yeah. But in this particular instance, I was reading The Dry and she, in the oh, acknowledgement, yeah, yeah. in the acknowledgement, she said, um, thank you to everyone at Curtis Brown Creative for, it, it, she did an online course. Yeah, she did. Creative writing course. Yeah. And I thought, I didn't know you could do that. So yeah, I did she's one. She's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, the writer's studio in Sydney. Mm-hmm. I did their first draft course. Mm-hmm. And during that course, I wrote the first draft of The Second Son. And then I submitted my opening to Curtis Brown in London. And th- I got into that same course that Jane did. And so Which I d- is, has a great reputation. Yes. 
It is, and it has because Curtis Brown Creative is an arm of Curtis Brown, the literary agency, which is a very prestigious literary agency. And at the end of the course, you get to submit your opening, the all-important opening, mm. to the agents in Curtis Brown. And Alice Lutchens, Jane Harper's uh, agent in London, said, I want to represent you. Oh, wow. I know. It was like, what the hell? Yeah. And then a lot of jumping and down on the bed, jumping yeah, up and yeah, down yeah, on yeah. the bed. A lot, a lot. I can imagine. <laughs> Running around the house like a crazy person. Yeah. And then uh, she um, organised uh, an agent for me here in Sydney, Pippa Mason. Oh, wow. And then the next thing we knew, HarperCollins and Text Publishing were sitting across the boardroom table one after the other, pitching me why they should be the ones to publish the second song. Wow. Did you have to pinch yourself? I, several times, often. Yeah, yeah, still, yeah. I'm still pinching myself. Yeah. Yeah. So here you are. You've got an agent, you've got two publishers, uh, you know, fighting over who wants you. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it felt. Yes, yes. it's really cool. Um, were you nervous at any point that you would not be able to deliver? Well, the second son was at about the seventh draft by then because right. Alice really helped me with uh, an, another few drafts to get it ready to put to market. Okay, there was time. There was time. Yeah. And then I went with text. They seemed to have the bigger intention. Mm. and They're wonderful. They're wonderful. Everyone told me they were wonderful, although I could very easily have gone either way. I was totally torn. I mean, seriously. Because I mean, Anna, Val Anna yeah. Valdinger at HarperCollins, I mean, it was really tough. And then Penny Houston at Text uh, took me through another oh, three or four drafts mm -hmm. uh, and, and really helped me bring out more of Amy's story mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the book, uh, balancing up the two points of view. And I had plenty of time. Um, this was in uh, August 2019 and the book was coming out in February 2021. Mm. So, but of course, all our plans mm. were for naught because COVID hit mm. and all the lead up um, mm. where I was going to be out meeting booksellers and going to conferences mm. and doing all of that. None of that happened, of course. To so many authors. Yes, exactly. To so many authors. And do you know, I remember that early days, those yeah. first couple of months. It, it was 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. And we're like, okay, all right, no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll get back. Let's only take a couple of months. Yes. Yeah, Who we all thought that. thought it was going to be years? That's yeah. it. It was, it was pretty radical. And, mm. and texts were down in Melbourne. Yes. So they were really seeing it through the eyes of mm. Victoria. So mm. it was way worse. Well, severe lockdown. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've had a few obstacles that you seem to have overcome. Um, and one of them, on a more serious note, was cancer. Talk to me about that and about what these life experiences bring to a story. Yeah. Okay. Well, as usual, I've been very lucky with cancer. Um, mm. I'm a lucky person, touch wood. Mm -hmm. uh, I was lying on a banana lounge in Sardinia when I looked down and saw something sticking out of my stomach. I thought I'd given myself a hernia. It turned out to be ovarian cancer. But because I'm skinny and it was poking out, we'd actually caught it really early. And only 7% of Australian women can be cured of ovarian cancer with surgery alone. I'm one of that 7%. So mm. extraordinarily lucky. So you just saw like a, a, a protrusion in your That's skin. That's correct. And 70% and of women with ovarian cancer don't detect it until it's too late yeah. because they don't see it's a it. It's silent cancer. And, and it is the silent killer. And there are so few uh, mm. symptoms. I felt a bit nauseous when I leant over 
Mm. That was it. Like if I was packing the dishwasher, I went, oh, I feel a bit sick. Mm. That was like, oh, and I needed to pee a lot because mm. <laughs> mm. it was a one kilo tumour on that side pressing it into my <gasps> bladder. And the that other, big. Yeah, and the other one, that's why it was poking out, and the other one had wrapped itself, I don't know if you want all these details, wrapped itself around my colon. So anyway, it was a seven-hour operation to get it all out by the incredible Did you come back Professor home? Neville Hacker. Did you come home really quickly? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was oh. it diagnosed over there? No, no, but my, I sent a photo of it to my colorectal surgeon because he, um, uh, I had his email address and he said, as soon as you get back, let's book in an appointment now. And then he just ramped it up. Within a week of getting home, I was on the operating table. Right. And because my mother had had breast cancer, even though I don't have the BRCA gene, my boobies were um, being um, MRI'd every year. Yeah. And we detected it probably a year earlier than a mammogram would, yeah. the breast cancer. And it was in April 2020. So in the middle of the fear, oh. we're all still in lockdown. We're washing our groceries. You know, we're yeah. in that place. Yeah. And I decided to just get the full shebang rather yeah. than go through the three steps of lumpectomy, radiotherapy, chemo, blah, blah, blah. I just had so the big operation. The, how many years prior had you had the ovarian cancer? Five. Five, and now you had breast cancer. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And yep. again, early detection. Early detection. Did the more draconian full double mastectomy, got it all out, and that saved me from having to do any further treatment. Wow. Still have my hair. Yeah. So, so that was, what, three years ago now. Okay. Yeah. And you, while you were not in hospital, because I like to look at the practical. Yeah. Were you allowed any visitors during that no. time? No. No. So you're all by yourself. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible too. Let me tell you, that. it's a yeah. really nasty operation. Yeah. You've got to carry around this bag of drains, and oh, it's bad news. Yeah. 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 And all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm. You deserve a pat on the back for that. But that crosses over with the book, right? Yeah, I think uh, going through hardship is something you have to throw at your characters yeah. constantly. And my friends have often said to me that the character of Amy Novak is, you know, potentially based on some of my own life experiences. And Johnny Novak is probably based on some of the experiences of both my husbands. My my first husband was a retired career criminal when I met him um, and uh, Stead is, uh, you know, he left school at 14. He was headed for a life of crime and managed to pivot away and, and be a successful businessman. But some of the stories he told me about his teenage life really resonated. And, and that helped me form the character Hang of Johnny. Second, Lorraine. I'm trying to get my head around this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to just sit here and pretend this is normal, right? <laughs> so you have two partners that are potential criminals or retired. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Well, yes. They're both, I guess you could say they were both retired criminals, but Stead is <laughs> retired as a teenager. Yeah. Whereas my first husband retired for a while in his late 20s and we were married for 10 years and then he kind of went back to it, back right. over to the States where he was busted with 100 kilos of marijuana. Oh my goodness. In Louisville, Kentucky. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So that was fun, getting him out of that. But, mm. you know, I was still married what to him and I did. What say about you and your vision statement and men? I just want to know how you reconcile all of that. Talk to me about I, that. I think I'm attracted to bad boys. I think I always yeah. have been. And yeah. I think that... Uh, is something that a lot of women are secretly attracted to bad boys, but I seem to just, yeah, I seem to somehow end up with them as mm. well as be attracted mm. to them. Now, <laughs> when you were reading Stead's profile on the dating app, was yes. there, did you recognise the criminal in him? No. 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 And he's so not a criminal. Happened. He no. hasn't been, you know, he hasn't the, been a criminal since he was a teenager. Okay. But he, but, the you know, potential. But potential. Yeah, because he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. He right. was dyslexic. He left, people, yeah. he left school at 14, well, you know. It's so true. And yeah. people just don't get opportunities. No. Not, not, you know, we, not at all. We absolutely don't all have this. Yeah, he, he grew up in the Western suburbs. One of the reasons I set the books there. Yeah, You're wow. the first book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I absolutely understand that Stead is not a criminal. <laughs> Let's just say that so we don't get sued. Yes. Um, and I totally take your word for that. But it's interesting how you found somebody that was similar. In a way, yeah, that had that's that trait. so different in in lots of ways. Yes. Because in my first marriage, I was the rock, yeah. which is why I really wanted a, a rock um, to yeah. swim around yeah. with. Do you know what I think yeah. you're doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think you need to put that on your vision statement. <laughs> is you're looking for content in your partners? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yes, we're constantly challenging, put it that way, and yeah. I, I enjoy rising to a challenge. Yeah, does Dad read your books and say, yeah? Uh, yes. Yeah. He, he forces himself, even though he's dyslexic, to read an early draft yeah. and tell me it's good, regardless yeah. of whether he thinks it's good or not. He yeah. tells me it's good. But does he say, you know, things like, oh, I don't think that would happen, or yes, that could happen? Um not really, because by the time I let him read it, I think, you know, the the action is working. The, I call it the plot, but most people wouldn't. But it's really just the action of moving the characters around in a way, coming up with crimes that work. Mm. There's um, a big heist in the second son and there's two big heists in the double bind. And getting those right is a big part of the first draft for me. Mm. And then I start layering in more and more character motivation and, you know, the mm. descriptions of the scenery and, you know, all of that stuff. So mm. he, he'll probably read one where it's really more about the action. Mm. And, and he'll, yes, he will say to me, look, I don't know if that would work or not. Often he's most helpful when I'm struggling with a plot hole and we go for a walk and I will throw something at him like, I really think I need to kill someone else. Mm. <laughs> Who do you think it should be? And just make sure when you do say that, that no one is passing you on the street. It happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> and I get a second look, let me tell yeah, you. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep right away from her. Mm. Uh, I want to go back to when you were in hospital during COVID. At what point were you with your book? 
like how? Oh, I mean, I, the reason why I'm asking, actually. yeah, the yeah. reason why I'm asking you is, you know, Dervla McTiernan, the mm. wonderful crime writer from um, Ireland who now lives in Western Australia. Mm. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At the, uh, I think it was her first publication. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I often wonder what the relationship is between that being unwell and writing. Well, it's funny you should ask that because with the second son. Uh, I was writing the first draft when I was um, diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So it was, and I was deeply into the course. I was doing the first course. Well, actually, I wasn't even deeply. I just started it. And so it was great because I was able to escape into my new story that I was writing rather than you know, to deal with what was really happening with my body. I was, my mind was able to escape. And then as I was writing the very last draft the very last, that's when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So the second son was bookended by cancer and, yeah, it, it had to affect uh, it had to affect um, me and mm. I guess my characters in, mm. in some way. And you know, one of the things you have to you learn when you're writing books or learning to write books, as I still am, I think, is that you have to be really cruel to your characters. It doesn't matter what genre you're writing. You have to keep piling on the comp the complications. You have to keep piling on obstacles, obstacles and the plan the plan goes wrong again and again and again mm. and forces them into a situation where they've got a split desire, you know. Will they go this way for the common good or will they go this way because it's better for them? All of those things and I think I have a certain life experience mm. that I can use now to mm. describe how that feels. Mm. You know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, for instance, there's this horrible dropping feeling. And, you know, for me, like this big rush up my neck and the top of my head felt like it was going to explode. And I've had that feeling twice and both times I was getting diagnosed with cancer. So... It was physical. It's a really physical, like when you when yeah. you're in fear, when you're in flight yeah. or fight. Yeah. You know. Um. So I'm able to utilize those descriptions yeah. of what that feels like yeah. to be in fear of your life. Yeah. When I'm writing. Yeah. And that's useful. So a lot of, and I'm not a writer, so I don't know this, but story lives in their head. 24-7. Yes. yes. And yeah. you're the same, Lorraine, I'm sure. So do you think that's what gets you through operations like that? Oh, Do you absolutely. think for you that that's been, yeah, it's been used a, as a healing tool as absolutely. well? Absolutely. I think writing has become life-saving for me. Mm. Um, literally. Literally. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And um, I really enjoy it. And I think, again, if I'm going to give any advice to a budding writer out there, it is that even if you're just writing for 10 minutes a day, if you can mm. just spare that, it keeps your subconscious involved in your story. Uh, mm. and, and that's really important because it's your subconscious that will come up with all the best ideas. Mm. It's your subconscious that will come up with answers that mm. you, you, you didn't even know you had had a problem, but it'll come up with an answer. Um, so it's really important to just keep writing. And when I'm writing, I can see it all in front of me as the action happens. I think that's why a lot of people mm. say, why these books aren't a TV series yet? I don't know, or they should be, because The Second Son and The Double Bind, the new one, are 
you know, they're, they are character-driven for sure. And I can see those characters, um, especially Milan, Johnny's um, father, who is like the Don. He's the, the leader of the gang. I actually think I met him in a Melbourne taxi cab just last week. You isn't would it? have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His name was Miroslav. And he was telling me about how he managed to escape during the COVID lockdown. He was in the resistance and he managed to uh, you know, drive to the border and, and his friend came over with the boat to get him so he didn't have to go across the the bridge and the police checkpoint. It was hilarious, this yeah, story. And fantastic. it was like, it was Milan talking to me. Mm. Uh, so they, they are very character driven. But, you know, there's all also, you know, there's a murder mystery at the heart and there's a psychological thriller at the heart too. And, and when when um, ever I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting confused about what Amy brings or what Johnny brings. Johnny brings the action thriller mm-hmm. and Amy brings the psychological thriller because she's mm-hmm. carrying a dark secret. And smart. Yeah, and she's super smart. And yes. I think one of the, the things that I love about the double bind is it's, it's the women who are really coming to the fore. They're coming up with the goods in, yeah. in this one. And that's what I'm loving about women's crime fiction. Yeah, you yeah, know, strong seeing, female yeah. protagonists. Absolutely, yeah. all of the time. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> now, it is unusual um, for a first book to win all those awards. I don't know if you know that because you just <laughs> won so many, but it is unusual and it must have been so affirming to oh. know that you've chosen, you know, the right publisher, the right book, yeah. the right story. Yeah, but Absolutely. it does lend challenges to writing your second, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Talk to me about that. Well, uh, again, lucky I was with text because they gave me the time to do it because the first draft they were not happy with, you know, and... Um, and not happy meaning well, that, you know, they didn't think the story was strong enough. Well, it was more about the motivations of the characters because, right. you know, the action hasn't really changed since right. that first draft, but uh, they hadn't read a first draft of mine before, so they were a bit nonplussed, <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. But uh, so they gave me an extra year. So yeah. this is coming out two years. The double one's coming out two years after the second son. And uh, I'll, I'll be forever grateful that I was given that time to get it right. Mm. Um, it was six drafts, not 12 or something like mm. the first one. I'm so glad you're up front with that, Lorraine, because so many people have these aspiring writers yes. that you just write a book and everybody loves every word mm. and it gets published. Oh, no. And another thing, <laughs> yeah, exactly, oh, no. But also, too, that, you know, oh, I didn't, you know, I hear people saying, I don't want anyone to touch my book or I don't want it to be edited. Mm. And that's a terrible shame to me, as it mm. would be for you, because you get a team of people mm. working on your book and yep. all they want is for you to succeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the best advice I was ever given was from my agent in in London around this. And she said, it's always going to be your book. You will always make every decision about the content. But when you're given a suggestion by a professional who probably knows a whole lot more about publishing than you do. And story. And story and and everything. Mm. Just try it. You don't have to keep it, but try it. And so I did. Every time I was told, well, why don't you look at doing this? I'm like, okay, not really loving that idea, but I will try it. Or, you know, I don't really understand this this sentence or this paragraph. And I'm going, 
bloody obvious, you know, but it's in my head it's obvious. Mm. But then I just try again, try again. Oh, that is actually better. Oh, mm. that is actually better. Mm. And and that and happens. Yeah, and that happens 90% of the time. Yeah. And 10% of the time you go, no, Milan wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Johnny wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. No. Mm. And you can say no, mm. but 90% of the time what they're suggesting actually makes your book better. Mm-hmm. So you have to try it. Mm. You do. You really do. I think that that's obviously um, uh, great storytelling if you've got great publishers. And there's so many good ones. And as you said earlier, like you had a choice between text and Collins. I mean, what? Yeah. They're both, you know, mm. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Australian publishers are great. But, you know, they're all in the top five or top six or whatever. Mm. So this is your career now. Yes. Mm. And tell me, how do you work that like I can see that you've got really um, great energy um, and you're out and about. Uh, how do you balance that with writing? Uh, it's, uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier. If you're writing a, a new book, mm. you've you got to write a little bit every day. So the afternoons for me are for writing. I'm a morning person, yeah, which is sort of weird, but that's when I'm most mm. creative in the afternoon. So I get everything else done mm. in the morning and then after lunch – I will take myself off and and do some writing, even if I don't get to it till four o'clock in the afternoon Mm. because of everything else I'm juggling. And are you a person that needs to be, let's say, I don't know where you're at home, but let's say it's your desk where you can't write unless you're at at your desk or are you the kind of person that will write on a plane, on a train, on a bus, write anywhere? As long as I've got my laptop, I can write anywhere. And sometimes I just do voice recording. Oh, wow. Um, if I really need to get an idea down, yeah. um, that helps. Um, or problem solve. Yeah, or pro- pro- mostly it's yeah. about solving problems. Yeah. But some, sometimes it's about a good idea. Yeah. Like, what if that happened? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's the fun part when yeah. you are – that's the really fun part. Writing that first draft is yep. just heaps of fun. Yeah. And after that it becomes collaborative, so that's fun in a different way. That's right. It's a different kind of uh, work. Okay, I, I want to ask you this, and I haven't asked a lot of authors this, but I've been thinking about – I've been unwell and I've been home for a week and I've just been thinking about all sorts of things. But one of the things I was thinking about is the relationship between author and reader. Mm. And does that affect – your writing style? I don't know if I've asked anyone that question because, do you know, mm. really before social media, mm. the only way you connected with your readers was via a letter. Like yeah. it wasn't really firsthand, like yeah. in comments or in email or, you know. Talk to me about that. I've had an overwhelmingly positive response mm. in both the reviews and in um uh, people just reaching out to me on social media or through my website to uh, congratulate me on the book or tell me they loved reading it or tell me, oh, it really felt like the place I grew up in or, uh, you know, I know these people. I, mm-hmm. I know what they're like and I, I, I know how they speak to each other and you got that and all of those kind of comments. So um, I've had very few bad ones. A couple of people said things like, well, these people are criminals and no one should be writing about them because they're bloody awful human beings or something like that. Oh, hello. That's crime fiction. <laughs> That's crime fiction. Yeah. I mean, I am writing from the yeah. points of view of criminals rather than police. Yeah. So I think that makes them a bit different. But, you know, if the first book was Anna, Anna Down said, it's a modern-day godfather and it is very much a male crime family narrative, whereas the double bind was 
probably a bit more like Ozark or something like that, yeah. where you're even Breaking Bad when the women start mm. to take uh, take on a, um, a more defining role. And I can't write in any other way than my my voice that my voice filtered through Amy or filtered yeah. through Johnny and. Candace Fox said to me the other day, she said, you have a real talent for that. You know, you I heard she showed up to your she book launch. She did. Well, it was her book launch too, in a way, because um, Fire with Fire, which is an extraordinary book. I loved it so much. I think it's her we best. We love her, yeah. She's, and she's she a, actually, you two remind me of each other, really high energy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God, I'll take that as a big compliment. Um, she, she's been a, a, a wonderful friend and, yeah. um, and mentor. Yeah. You know, she's an incredibly generous person. Absolutely. You know, she Female writers are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she saves, um, animals in distress by yes. day. Yes. Um, you know, incredible author and by night. And her mother was, um, took children in. Yes. She, she was a foster parent. To yeah. about 150 kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and Candace said to me, you know, you're, you're really good at the voices of your characters are so true, mm-hmm. which means you can inhabit any character you want. And that was that really stuck with me. It's like, ooh, can I? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Because the third book is nothing to do with the Novaks. It's a standalone thriller. It's set in Florida Keys. And, you know, I'm ha- inhabiting a bunch of new characters Mm. Uh, and and to get that from from Candice at this point in my career, she said sometimes you, I mean she said that's something you can't teach. You can either do that or you mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. And you know so that sort of comment gives me extraordinary confidence to just keep writing with my voice filtered through my characters. Yeah. I um I feel there is a real positivity um in our comments like ninety mm, nine. Uh, 0.9% are. Yeah. Um, and I think people really love story, mm-hmm. right? They don't care how they get it. They'll yeah. read an ebook, they'll read audio, they'll read print, you know, whatever. Mm. But they love telling the author how they feel. And they I do. love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Anna Downs, mm-hmm. um, another wonderful author. Yes, love yes. her. Yes, yeah, we love her too. Do you know, such a small world. We've had her in here a couple of times and it turns out her sister lives across the park from me and yes. walks her dog in the same park. I was just like, it is such a small world. Absolutely. But I love the friendship and the camaraderie between um, female writers. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy watching it from where I sit, actually. Yeah, and, and the male writers too. I mean, Tim Ailiff's been extraordinarily oh, yeah. helpful to me. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you guys you have know, got like a little community, and, haven't Andy you? Muir too, you know, yeah. just a fantastic mentor for around story. Mm. He's so talented. Mm. Uh, and, you know, all those years of t- TV writing yeah. as well with Underbelly. Absolutely. Different yeah. experience. Yeah. 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 They all bring something to the, the table to, to help me with. It's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. We're out of time, lovely. Okay. Um, you, I know you, you need to get a, a, a plane, so we're have to let you go. Uh, Lorraine Peck, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. I've really enjoyed it. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. 
We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.